You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 3, as we continue in our series about the life of Jonah, the story of Jonah, which is our story. Our story matches Jonah because there's so much of Jonah, unfortunately, at times in us. Isn't that right? We learned that last week. And as you turn there, let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer. Lord, we uh, come before you and we ask that you would speak, Lord. Uh, we, We haven't come here to hear some guy. Lord, we've come to hear you. So, Holy Spirit, what we ask right now is to take this message and apply it to our lives. Reveal to us this morning what it is that you want to say to us, not just corporately, but individually. Lord, we pray this, that uh, your word would go forth in power, that we would have ears to hear, minds to understand, and, and hearts that are willing to be shaped by you. Father, we pray that not just for our campus, but our Statesville campus, and in our Cornelius campus, where your word is being preached today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week we began to talk about Jonah, and we talked about obedience and the importance of obedience. That obedience isn't something that we eventually get to, but the importance of instantaneous obedience. That when God speaks, we respond. How many of you recognize that in life there seem to be two types of people? There are processors and there are responders. Processors have to hear the information, process the information. They have to kind of weigh out, does this information or directive, does it benefit me? And also, do I trust the source of the one who gave the direction? How many of you would consider yourselves this morning processors? Raise your hand. How, how many of you, how many of you would call yourself a responder? You just respond quickly. I would say there's a little bit of both in all of us, right? Um, responders, uh, there, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's beneficial. It's good um, because sometimes you can just jump into something that's um, that's not the best, right? We've all done that. And then we have the responders, and that's beneficial as well because, again, it leads to quick obedience, doesn't it? Um, but even those who are processors, I would say, are responders. It just depends on the information, the direction that you're being given. For for example, if you were to go to work tomorrow and your boss says, I want to give you a raise, how many of you would have to process that? <laughs> Not at all. If you go to a restaurant and the waitress asks, would you like extra bacon? You do not need to process that. It's just, uh-huh, yes, I, I, I would. Um, husbands, let's just be honest here. If your wife gives you the wink and says, do you want to go upstairs? You're not processing that. You're just going. Hey, we can talk about that here. God wrote an entire book about it. Okay, it's okay. We don't process. We sometimes just respond again based on some people are going, I can't believe he just said that in church. (laughs) We're keeping it real, folks. Keeping it real. Uh, But the reality is, is what we're trying to do is we need to process first. Is this going to be beneficial to me? And also, do I trust The source of who has given me this directive. There's a story that's been told about a missionary 
who took his entire family into the deep jungles of South America. Um, he was bringing the gospel to a church, uh, an unchurched people group. Um, it was a dangerous place. If you've ever been in some of the jungles of South America or watched something on TV, you know it can be full of danger. And this was no different. He was in a canoe with his son and he was paddling. And as he was paddling, he looks up and he tells his son, duck. And without wavering, without hesitating, his son just ducked. How many of you have children like that? How many of your children say, huh? (laughs) What? That happens in my family. But he ducked. Instantaneous, no processing, just simple response. And he ducked. And as he did so, right where his head had been, one of the most venomous snakes that was in the jungles had tried to bite him. Because of his instant obedience, his life was spared. Because of his instant obedience, a father's heart didn't have to be broken. Might we have that kind of obedience in our life? That when God gives us a directive... We respond that quickly. So knowing that sometimes we are processors, what I think we need to do is that we need to process way before God even gives us the directive. Before God gives me something to do, maybe I should process now. I should process first. Is it beneficial to me? And second, I should process Do I trust the source? You see, I don't have to wait for God to give me a commandment. I can do that right here, right now. So that when the commandment comes to me, when the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart and tells me to do something, I've already gone through the process. Therefore, I don't have to be a processor in that moment. I can just be a responder. Jonah hadn't gone through that process. He didn't recognize that God had his best at heart, not just the people of Nineveh. And in some way, he hadn't processed that he could trust the one who was giving him direction. So when we process these things, as we said earlier, we first ask, is the commandment or the directive that I am receiving beneficial to me? Well, let's, let's look at some scripture that when God gives a commandment, Is it beneficial for you? Psalm chapter 3, verse 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. How many of you would agree this morning that a straight path is beneficial for you? That a straight path is a safe path. That a straight path is a path that gets you somewhere quicker than a long path. How many of you would say that a straight path is good for you? Therefore, if I trust in the Lord, in the commandment, we might say, in any act of obedience that he's asking me to walk out, if I trust in that, the benefit is I'm going to walk a straight path. That my path is going to avoid danger. That at the end of this path, it leads me to the goodness of God for my life. It also says in Psalm chapter 34, verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. It says that, oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. 
How many of you would say that joy is of great benefit, personal benefit to you? Right. Your processing is what God telling me to do going to be beneficial for me. I would submit to you this morning that living a life of joy is beneficial to you. So now that I'm processing what God is doing, now I need to ask myself, do I trust the source? I've established that God is for me and that it's going to be beneficial to me, whatever he asked me to do. Now, the question becomes, do I trust the source of the one who is giving me the commandment? And I would say this morning, it's very easy for us to say, oh, of course I do. Of course I do. Because A, it's true. And B, you're expected to say that. But can I challenge you this morning and ask you, does your life show that you completely trust the one who's giving you direction in your life? Do you completely trust God's heart for you? Have you contemplated it? Have you spent time processing that? That the king of the universe, the creator of heaven, And of earth, the Holy One, that He actually, truly, completely loves you. I didn't say that He tolerates you. I didn't say that He likes you. Do you trust that your God loves you? Because when we answer that question and we've we've solidified that in our heart, the whole question about... Is what God telling me to do benefiting me? You almost don't even have to ask that question anymore, do you? Because if he loves me, then anything he's telling me to do is going to be a benefit to me. Even when it doesn't seem that way. Even when God's directive and his movement and his his, his instruction in my life doesn't feel good. If I processed and settled that God loves me, then my circumstances no longer drown me. Then my circumstances no longer overwhelm me as I walk out the direction that he has for my life. Am I making sense this morning? Because if he loves me, he's going to make my path straight, even though that path sometimes has to go through circumstances I don't like. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make my path straight. It's not always going to be easy. But if I've settled that he loves me, I won't waver in the tough stuff. When he tells me to do something and it doesn't go the way I've planned in my mind. When things don't unfold the way I think they should unfold and in the time that it should unfold, I no longer have to waver or second guess or run from what God has told me to do because I know he is for me and that he loves me. One of the things that I love in life is water. (laughs) I'm what you call a water guy. Um, in fact, if I'm going to go hiking, if water's not around, if I can't jump in it, I can't see it, I can't hear it, I ain't bothering with it. I love water. Water's made up, and I'm going to test you real quick, see if you remember um, science class, water is comprised of? Hi, what, how many parts hydrogen? 
two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. And, 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 and that thing, what that does, those component, those components cause water to have certain attributes that I'm drawn to. Two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. It, it, it makes this thing do stuff that I'm drawn to. It's very makeup makes me drawn to it. The Bible tells us that God is love. That it's his very makeup. It's what he's comprised of. It is love. And love manifests itself in such a way that I'm drawn to it. He isn't acting in love. He is love. He's not showing loving things. He is a loving God. And what love does is love pursues. Isn't that great? Amen. That love pursues. And because love pursues, it tells us that God is love and he wants no one to perish. The story of Jonah and we don't need to go over it again. We talked about it, how God had given him a directive to go to a nation that was far from God. But because God is love, it's his very nature. God sent Jonah to go reach a people who were far from him. Jonah's story is our story. There was a time in your life where you were far from God. How many of you remember that time? Where, where life was about you, life was about what you wanted, um, choices that you made were all about you, and what felt good in the moment. Sin felt great. You were far from God. But because God is love, God pursued you. He wooed you. He wooed you. I'm so thankful that we have a God who woos us. I'm so thankful that we have a God who is a pursuing God because he is a God of love. John 3.16, one of the probably first verses that you learned as a Christian, right? For God so loved the world. What he is, is love. Therefore, how he acts is loving. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Love acts. Love pursues. Love chases even. And he chased you. He sent his son that anyone who would believe in him. I love how it says that anyone who would, it doesn't say that anyone who would work really hard. God sent his only son. God so loved the world that he sent his only son that those who lived up to a certain standard might be saved. No, because God is love. Whoever might believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's fantastic news for each of us this morning. I don't have to earn his love. I have his love. And because I have his love, when love speaks to me, I can trust love and I can act on love. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine says that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, 
Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's love. And that was his heart for the Ninevites. He was desiring that this entire nation, despite how, I'll just say it like it is, jacked up they were, messed up in sin, stuck in sin, that he did not want to see them perish. So he sent Jonah with a word. It was a word from God. And while it may have seemed tough, and we're going to read it later, it was a word of love. Repent. Repent. And amazingly, as we're going to read, they did. (laughs) Number two, write this down. God is all-powerful and performs the supernatural to capture our hearts. God is all-powerful. We see that in Jonah chapter 1, and we read that last week, where where God sent a, a, a mighty storm, right? A supernatural storm to get Jonah's attention. And if that wasn't enough of a supernatural act, then when Jonah is thrown over into the water, the big, the big tuna fish came, right? I know it says whale in there. We don't know if it's a whale. So I'm, if it can say whale, I'm going to say tuna fish because I like tuna. Some kind of fish came and swallowed Jonah. That's the supernatural act, right? God's love will manifest itself supernaturally. But I would submit to you that the greatest supernatural act, the greatest miracle that occurred, was not the causing of a storm, nor was it the, 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 the fish that came, but the greatest supernatural act was that an entire nation whose heart was far from God came to God. That was the greatest supernatural act in my mind, that he took hearts of stone and he turned them into a soft clay that they might respond to the love of God. Don't ever say that God hasn't done a miracle in your own life. We all pretty much admitted earlier that we were at one time far from God, right? You, you had a heart of stone and God showed up supernaturally and took that heart of stone and softened it towards him. Praise God for that. What a miracle. Of all the miracles that occurred in the Bible that we get excited about, the greatest miracle you should be excited about is that God touched you and you responded. The miracle of the Holy Spirit doing a work inside of your life, just as God was able to do with an entire nation of people. Let's read that in Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3. It said, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to that great city. Did you hear that? A, a, A second time? Not a first time, but a what? That sounds like pursuing, doesn't it? That God was pursuing. He came to, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it. I'm sorry. And proclaim to it the message I give you. And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. He didn't want to get eaten by a fish again. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. And Jonah began going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. Amazing that it was a people far from God who were not processors, but responders. Another miracle. They didn't process what Jonah was saying. They responded to it. 
Jonah said, in 40 days, this is going to happen. And God had so, so much at that time already softened their hearts that there was instantaneous response and obedience. And when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. And this is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let... Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat nor drink, but let the people be covered with sackcloth and let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? Maybe God yet will relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Fascinating. Fascinating that they already understood that perhaps this God was a God of love and not this God of judgment. That this God who is warning us that he's going to destroy us, maybe the underlying theme of who this God really is, is a God of love. Maybe he won't do this. (laughs) They were right. Verse 10, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented. And did not bring on the destruction that he threatened. What a God of love. What a God of love. Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 17 through 19 says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arms. And nothing is too hard for you. O great and powerful God, whose name is the Lord Almighty, great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. And one of the mightiest deeds that God has ever done is taking hardened hearts, pressing them into his and forgiving sin. What a God of love. Write this down. Number three, God is gracious and gives us second chances. That's what love does. It's gracious and it gives us second chances. How many of you at some point in your life have needed a second chance? (laughs) How many of you needed a third? (laughs) I find it interesting, don't you, that God chose Jonah. God, think about this for a minute. God knows the beginning and the end, doesn't he? Why did God choose Jonah? Knowing that Jonah was going to reject God's command. Why not choose any of the other prophets of the day? Why specifically Jonah? I believe this. Just as much as God was pursuing the Ninevites, God was also pursuing Jonah himself. He doesn't just pursue the masses. He pursues the individual because he's gracious and the God of second chances. There was a story that was told of a farmer, and he had borrowed money from a banker and was unable to repay his debt. He had had a really bad year. Crops didn't produce as he thought they would, so he had to go to the banker, and he asked the banker, I've got good news, or said to the banker, I've got good news and bad news, which would you like to hear? The banker said, well, I'd like to hear the bad news first. Let's just get that out of the way. And he said, again, my my crops have been um, really, really bad, and I can't pay the mortgage on my house. Obviously, the banker was frustrated with that, and he said, not only can I not pay the mortgage on my house, I can't 
pay for the machinery um, that I borrowed the money for. I can't I can't pay you back for that. And he said, not only can I not pay you for that, but I can't pay you back for the fertilizer and the feed that you gave me. And the banker says, well, what's the good news? And the farmer said, well, I still intend to do business with you. (laughs) I think, thank God that even though I can't repay my debt, he still wants to do business with me. (laughs) He still wants to do business with me. Still wants to interact with me, still wants to love me, still wants to use me. Isn't that crazy? Come on, let's be real. We know who we are, don't we? <laughs> we know that. Man, there's, there's sometimes some thoughts, some actions, some things in our lives that uh, we don't like. But he's the God of second chances. And he's the God of grace. Because his very nature is love. And so he extends those second chances to us. He extends that grace to us. And he sets our path straight. Write this down for the last one. I'm going to get you out of here this morning. Number four. God is merciful. And he longs to forgive and restore the repentant. He's merciful. And he longs to restore. He longs. To forgive. <laughs> Heard this true story from CNN. A 911 operator in Houston was receiving phone calls. Call came in and it was an emergency. And the operator being flustered, being um, not very gracious, not very loving, was heard and recorded saying, and I quote, ain't nobody got time for this, for real, and hanging up the phone. (laughs) Turns out that this was not the first time that that operator had done that thing. Impatient, aggravated. Um, Thanks, Nick. When the emergency call came in, Ain't nobody got time for this. <laughs> Click. Your God is the God who always answers. Because he's love. Whenever we call upon his name, we don't have to worry about getting a dial tone. When the God who is love responds to his people, he responds with grace and mercy and love. Because again, he is what? He's love. He is love. Like we said last week, and like we said in the very beginning of this sermon today, Jonah's story is our story, isn't it? Jonah's story is our story. Not some historical event, biography of a man captured in time. It's, it's our biography. It's our life. And so this morning what we're, what we're faced with is, 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 is this. 
It's the awesome, and I don't use that word lightly. I, I mean it for what that word means. Awesome. It, 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 it makes us full of awe. It stuns us. It takes our breath away when truly we try to comprehend it. God loves you. God, oh man, we just say it so flippantly today, don't we? So we lose the, God loves you. And so wherever you might be this morning in the life of Jonah, whether it's walking in perfect obedience today, praise God, keep walking. Keep walking, keep going. But maybe there's a little bit of rebellion in you today, like there was a little bit of rebellion that there was in Jonah. Remember, God still pursued Jonah. And he's still pursuing you today. Wherever you may be today, know God is in hot pursuit. And it's never too late to turn around and come face to face with love. So this morning, Lord, what we say is, wow. We say, we're so thankful that you are a God of love, that you are love, and that your love is for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you that you're the God of second chances. You're the God of U-turns. You're the God who responds every single time your people repent and turn towards you. Lord, teach us to be a people who are quick to obey because we can trust the source of the one who is giving us the commands. We love you, Lord. We worship you today. And all God's people said. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.